It is good to be here today. So, we are in the third week of a series called The Jesus Way, where we've been wrestling with this idea of forgiveness. And as we start, um, I want you to watch this brief little advertisement. Who amongst you goes by the name Fenwick? Tell me, and the rest of you will be spared. I am Fenwick. I am Fenwick. I am Fenwick. Hey, Fenwick, have you seen my shield? This has got vertical stripes on it. Mine had horizontal. Want to get away? <laughs> now you can with Southwest Ferris as low as $59 one way. Yes to low Ferris with nothing to hide. That's transparency. So the, those Southwest commercials, I loved that, that whole idea. You want to get away? Be because all of us have been in that place where we have done something that we wish we could just hit rewind. It, it, many times it was the thing you said you would never do. You would never cross that boundary. You would never tell that lie. You would never go back to that website. You would never let it end in divorce. Your kids would never go that direction. And you look back, and you're stuck in this place where you're like, oh, if I could just hit rewind, and I could go back, knowing what I know now, if, if I had known then what I know now, I would have never done what I did. And the harsh reality is there is no rewind button on life. There's never this place you come to where you just grab the remote, hit rewind, go back, and everything is reset and like it was before you made the mistake. And for so many of us, we find ourselves where we did what we said we would never do. We make the mistake, we go to the website, the marriage gets out of hand, and we find ourselves in this place where we want more than anything to go back to the way things were, and we can't. And that harsh reality hits us because we're stuck in the place that we thought we would never be in the first place. I think there's no place in Scripture that illustrates that feeling more than Peter when he encounters a crowd. And we read just a few minutes ago about this promise that Jesus makes to Peter. I will do whatever it takes, but I will never deny you. I may mess up, I may do a lot of things, that is one thing I will never do. And Peter finds himself in the garden, and Jesus is seized, and he's taken into custody. And Peter, knowing the promise and knowing what's at stake, follows closely behind. So in Luke chapter 22, there's this account. Then seizing him. They led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. 
A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight, and she looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. And I, I picture this event so vividly in my mind. Like I, I can play it like a movie scene where Peter turns his head and Jesus turns his head and their eyes connect and there is this feeling in Peter of, oh man, th this was the thing I said I would never do. This is the place I said I would never go. And now here I am and I have denied Jesus. And not only have I denied him, he told me this was going to happen. And you picture the eyes. And you imagine what's going on in his mind and in his gut. Man, this is where I never thought I would be. Or even Jesus' words as he's sending out the twelve. He, he tells them in Matthew chapter 10. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown them before my Father in heaven. And you think those words are probably so crystal clear in this moment. That Jesus said, if you can't acknowledge me before everyone else, I can't acknowledge you. What would it have been like to have been in that, be in that place? And my guess is, every single person in this room has been where Peter was. Every single person has been in that place as a follower of Jesus where we did what we said we would never do. And now we're on the other side looking back, wish more, wishing more than anything in the world we could go back and do it all over again. And the crazy thing, in John's account, he talks about what Peter does after this. Jesus is dead, he's been buried, he's put in the tomb, and Peter says, well, I guess I'm going to go fishing. I, I guess everything has to go back to the way it was, because surely this is the end. And even if it's not... There's no way you could go back. Because if you deny the king of the kingdom, and you deny that you know him, at the very least there's no place in the kingdom for you. At the very least you 
can't be a part. At the most, you deny the king and it leads to death. We know how the system works. And that's what Jesus said. You deny me, I'm going to deny you. We know what has to happen. But what we do know is without forgiveness, there is no future. Only the endless cycle of the painful past. Back this past summer, we did a series from the book of Joseph. Um, I'm not going to go real in depth into this story because I know at home, each of you has a complete manuscript that you wrote down as I was talking. Um, I think it was in week five that we, or week six that we did this part of the story. Um, so I'm just going to spare you the, the real in-depth part of it, but I do want to go back to the end of this story. And how Joseph's brothers end things. Starting in Genesis chapter 50 verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong things we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of your, the servants of the God of your father. And when their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and they threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended it to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. So then do not be afraid. I will provide, I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Like Joseph's brothers, they know how the system works. You wrong someone, you mess up, they're going to hold it over your head. They're not letting you go back. And so they go and they say, well, here, here's what dad said. Here's what dad said. Don't hold it against us, but we'll be your slaves just in case, because we know we owe you something. But what Joseph does is he forgives them. He releases them from it. He says, I'm not going to treat you differently because of what you did. And the crazy part of the story, if Joseph does not forgive his brothers, the Bible basically ends in Genesis with a family feud. If, if Joseph holds a grudge, if jo Joseph doesn't release them, then the story just ends. But he forgives. And he releases them from it. And now there is new life. And it brings up this really, really big, important, 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 important question. Is God's justice retributive or restorative? In, in other words, does God discipline and judge and punish for vengeance? 
or for restoration? Is God completely bent on destroying everyone in this world? Or is he trying to renew and restore all things, making them new? See, and here's the sad thing. Is in our minds, we know the answer to the question. But it's our hearts that seem to lag behind. And so when we find ourselves in the place of Peter, making these mistakes, we know how we would respond if we were in Jesus' place. If we found ourselves where Jesus was, and Peter had done to me what he did to Jesus, we know how we would respond. We know what the right thing is to do is sometimes I wonder if the most difficult person in the world to forgive is ourself because it is the one person that you wake up every single morning and see. It's the one person who every morning when you get dressed stares back at you in the mirror. It's the one person you cannot escape. And so many of us struggle to truly believe our identity in Christ. Where Jesus says, you have been set free from your past. Because so many in this room have been baptized. And said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he died for my sins. That God raised him from the dead. That he is now king of the whole world. And I'm going to submit my life to him. And we believe that in that moment, God forgave our sins. And he said, I'm not going to count them against you. I'm not going to hold them over your head. I'm not going to punish you for them. I am going to set you free from them. They are not going to be a prison that holds you your entire life. You are set free. But so many who believe that very truth can't simply say to themselves, I am free. I've been let go. Because we know how we would respond if we were in God's place. We know how we would want to respond. But the good news of the gospel is not just simply that God is forgiving you. But he is transforming you. He is transforming us into a forgiving community of forgiven sinners. 
who because Jesus has forgiven us, we are going into the world like Jesus and forgiving people who wrong us. And we're not holding it over their head. And we're not continuing to bring it up over and over and over again. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. You must become like him in every single way. Maybe one of the darkest moments in human history. There there are lots of them. But one that jumps out in my mind was the Armenian Genocide. The Armenian Genocide or Holocaust was the Ottoman Empire's systematic extermination of 1.5 million Turks between the years 1915 and 1917. But out of the, the destruction and the ashes of that story and that dark place in human history comes a story of a nurse. One afternoon, a platoon of soldiers and their officers were raiding a small village in the Ottoman Empire. And the soldiers and the officer raided a small house. They went in and immediately killed the mom and dad and took the three daughters as slaves. The two younger daughters, the two younger daughters were given to the soldiers to do with as they pleased. The older daughter was kept for the officer where he raped and tortured her for days and weeks on end. Eventually, she escaped, and she became a nurse. And one night, under the pale light of an army tent, she sees the face of a man who held her captive, raped and tortured her, kidnapped and took her sisters, and killed her parents. And without exceptional medical care, the officer would die. So she gave him exceptional care. A few days later, as the officer was recovering in bed, another nurse comes up and says, Do you see that lady over there? She saved your life. And if she had not cared for you, you would not be here. Excited and thankful, he turned and their eyes met. And his face became pale, his stomach queasy, and his eyes filled with tears. The nurse made her way over to the bedside. And in these words that were so difficult to come out, the man says, why didn't you kill me? The nurse looks at him and smiles and said, because I follow the one who said, love your enemies. See, the question is not, do you believe simply as Jesus And Jesus is Savior. But do you actually believe in him enough to do what he says? Is your life formed and shaped 
in the image of him. Because if you want to have the life of Jesus, you must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And this question, is God's justice retributive or restorative, stands at the center of what God is doing in this world through Jesus. That he is restoring creation. He is moving things in a certain direction. He is speaking into what was dead and breathing new life into it and in power raising the dead. So back to Peter's story real quickly. Peter's fishing trip. His excursion ends as he sees Jesus. And after they eat breakfast together, they go for this little walk on the beach. Sun's shining, the waves are coming in, there's a rainbow behind them. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I've always read this story from the perspective of guilt trip Jesus. This is Jesus holding the little cloud over Peter's head. Jesus, why are you asking me three times? How many times did you deny me? Three times. But, but recently, reading this story over and over, I begin to see it a little bit differently. I don't think this is guilt trip Jesus. I think this is Jesus trying to convince Peter that he's forgiven. Because Peter, I don't think in his mind, can fully grasp the weight of Jesus' words. So much so that he has to say it three times so that it can begin to break through the hard, crusty heart that Peter has at this point. This, part that, uh, uh, this heart that feels like, I let him down. I denied that I know the king. There's no possible way to go forward from here. There's, there's no possibility of a new day. I might as well go back to the way things used to be because there's no possible way forward. It cannot go on. I think Jesus is putting so much energy and effort into this conversation. Because he needs to convince Peter. See, and part of the story that we forget, because it's in an entirely different book of the Bible, but Peter preaches one of the most powerful sermons in the entire recorded Bible. 
on Pentecost. About a month after this event. And I wonder if Jesus hadn't convinced Peter that his ministry is not over. That he's not out. That if Pentecost would have happened with Peter standing there. If it would have had to have been someone else. See, I really, I don't like the fact that our, our Bibles all say for the, the subheading of this, that Jesus reinstates Peter. Because I don't think Jesus reinstates Peter. Because I don't think in Jesus' mind Peter was ever out. I think it was in Peter's mind that Peter was out. And Jesus says, no, Peter... Follow me. Because that was what he said to him originally. That was one of the very first words he spoke to Peter. Follow me. And now when you deny the king of the world that he is the king and that you know him, you're out, you're not getting back in, it's over. I think Peter needs to speak the words for himself. Jesus, you know I love you. And understand that Jesus says, then I won't hold this over your head. You are set free. Here's my assumption this morning. There are a lot of people who struggle to forgive the most difficult person in their life to forgive themselves and who carry the weight of the past with them. Listen, your past does not have to define you. But if you refuse to forgive, it will. And that does include yourself. Some of you have been carrying the weight of a decision that you made for years. And every day you look in the mirror, you're confronted with that choice that you made back then. If I had done things differently, things would be different now. If I had spent more time with my kids, maybe they would still have a relationship with me. If we had spent more time as a couple, maybe the divorce wouldn't have happened. If, if I hadn't gone to that website, if I hadn't had the affair, if I hadn't said yes, then maybe I would be in a different place. And every day you wake up with that weight on your shoulders and Jesus simply says to you, let it go. Because we say, God, here's... Here's all that I have. And we lay it at the foot of the cross and Jesus says, I'm not going to hold it against you. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now here's the beauty. It was the beauty of Joseph's story. It was the beauty of Peter's story. And it's the beauty of your story. On the other side of forgiveness, a new world is formed. 
that moments earlier did not and could not exist. On the other side of forgiveness, a new world is formed that only moments earlier did not and could not exist. Because Jesus has this radical notion that his primary response to sin is to forgive it and to not hold it over your head. So this morning we just simply ask the question, what is it that you've been carrying around for so long that Jesus has already set you free from? But you, in your mind, in your heart, can't allow yourself to be free.